Thank you. You all are too kind. Hey, can we give a shout? Uh, first of all, I got to give a shout to the president. Let's give a shout to the president. Yes. So I'm kind of old school and new school. J. Cole says I'm big bro and little bro at the same time. So anyway, uh, yes, that's the J. Cole quote. Um, our board chair, uh, Sean Doctor, is here with us. Let's celebrate him this morning. Got to give a shout to my colleagues, the SLT. Come on, let's give it up for the senior leadership team here. And then to our co-chapel leaders, Jeff uh, Dio. It's not Devos. It's not Deo. It's Devo. It's D-O. D-O. Jeff Dio. Let's give a shout for him and Jonathan Thomas. Yes, yes. And then to faculty, staff, students. Love and hugs, air fist bumps, all of that. So glad that you're here this morning in the house of God with the people of God to celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So excited, so excited. So uh, last time, um, the first time that I preached, uh, I didn't give a shout uh, to my family, so I have to do that right away. Uh, they're watching online, so I have to make sure to give them a shout. If you can throw that picture up. Uh, there they are. Yes. My wife is in the back holding us down. Skylar to your left and Zachary smiling right there at the bottom. My guy. Love you all so much. I know you all are praying for me. My wife says this all the time. She's like, dude, be yourself. All right. So today I'm going to honor her because we're almost at 15 years of marriage in May, May 26th. Come on here, somebody. December 11th, I'll be 40. Yes, yes, yes. 40 and fabulous. 40 and fantastic. 40 and fit. Yep, don't be hating on me. Come on, somebody. Woo! My God. All right, all right, all right, all right. So if you have your Bible, 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. I'm not going to read it because I'm running through 1 through 12, okay? I'm running through 1 through 12. I believe that God has a word for us. If you pray for me and you talk back to me like we're in the chocolate church, we're going to have a good time. All right? All right. So you promise to talk back to me? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Even when I fumble and stumble, you going to talk back to me? All right. All right. All right. Here we go. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray this one thing. Be glorified. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, as we look in our divided culture today, we find that so many divisions have crept into the church. And the same way people are divided outside the church, people are divided inside the church. When you hear the rhetoric, the rhetoric, the rhetoric, it's divisive. The rhetoric is malicious and everyone is looking for power for their groups. We see people uh, who are divided amongst the left and, and the right. We have people saying you must be on uh, this side of the political aisle or that side of the political aisle or you're not a Christian. We have submitted, watch this, to the ways, to the words, to the works of our culture. And instead of leading the way, we have allowed ourselves to follow the trends and the customs of this current culture. Instead of extinguishing arguments and divisive language, 
We've added fuel to its fire. Well, here it is. Old Pete has something to say to us this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 2, or 1 Peter, if you like to say that, chapter 2. In this text, we are called to be different. That's right. Look at the person next to you. Look them square, like right in the eye. Come on, look at them and say, be different. No, I I want you to get some gumption. Yeah, some Holy Ghost fervor. I want you to act like, yeah, Mother Tennyson is up here preaching. And I want you to say, be different. If you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to get this. Here it is. God wants you and I to be a peculiar people living in a peculiar time. I'm going to say that one more time because it feels good. God wants us to be a peculiar people living in a peculiar time. So, so uh, hang with me now. Peter is writing this letter to Christians who he refers to as aliens or strangers or sojourners. They're, they're scattered throughout the known world. He calls them this to let them know that their allegiance is to a true kingdom, the kingdom of God. These aliens are suffering mild persecution. They are being discriminated against, randomly attacked. These listeners of this letter are going through a lot in their day. But Peter is letting them know that their situation is not meant to drown them. Nor are they called to submit to what the culture is doing. They are called to be unique, called to be special, called to be peculiar. And based on this text, if you're going to be peculiar, if you're going to be different, I feel this thing, my God. The the first thing you must do is you must desire the word of God. Did did you hear what I say? You must desire the word of God. Let's look at the text. Verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Notice this text doesn't start with how we're relating to God. That's going to come there. It's going to come in a minute. It's going to come in a minute. But this text doesn't, it doesn't start there. You know where it starts? How we're relating to one another. That's where it starts. This question, this text is asking us the question this morning. Hey, uh, um, um, how are you doing with your neighbor? Uh, 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 um, hey, how are you treating the person that's next to you? How are you treating the person next to you in your class? I know we ha-ba-ba and sha ba uh, uh, all chapel long, and, and we leave out of here after the abba, and the, oh, hey, abba, rock, 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 rock. And then we go out of here, and we don't, we say hamana, 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 but we don't say hello to our neighbor. Eh, help me, somebody. I might not get another chance to preach, even though I schedule most of the preachers. Um, How are you dealing with your neighbor in class as you sit next to them? I'm talking about the person that don't fit your profile or or doesn't fit your description, doesn't fit uh, the person that you would uh, normally hang out with. How are you treating that person? This text asks us to re-examine and more aggressively 
rid ourselves. I'm putting myself in that number. It's me, oh Lord. Sometimes I'm petty too. Yes, I am. Rid yourself of the way you would normally treat someone. It says, put away all malice. Put away all deceit. Put away hypocrisy. This word hypocrisy, I love it in the Greek. In the Greek it's this word, it's this word that, that describes a stage player. Someone who knows how to act, when to act, how to talk, and when to talk. Someone who knows how to articulate and pontificate, but ain't got no oil. Huh? Come on, somebody. It's a, it's a stage player. Now, now, let's keep it a buck here. Let's keep it real here. A buck means real, okay? So I'm, hel- I'm, I'm the VP of spiritual life, and I'm the dean of multicultural engagement. So I'm giving you a lesson in diversity right here. A buck means keeping it real, or 100 means keeping it real. So we know how to act when we're in God's presence. We know how to pray. We know how to prophesy. But the question is, are we praying and prophesying in our classroom? I will, Dr. Leibniz. Thank you. The question is, are we prophesying in our classroom? When people see us, do they see us all of the time? Or do they see another person here, another person there, and another person everywhere? Uh, Get rid of that. Somebody say, get rid of that. Yes. Then he says, rid yourself of envy. I love, I love what my friend Dr. Charlie Date says about envy. Phenomenal preacher, one of the best preachers in the world to me. He says this, envy will make you bitter and mean. You don't have to despise what belongs to someone else. There's enough room at God's table for you too. I'm going to say that again. There's enough room at God's table for you too. Listen, I'm going to give you an illustration right now. I have some folk next to me who are just as dynamic, who are just as articulate and better, who can pray better, who can prophesy better in Jonathan and Jeff. But guess what? I celebrate them. I don't envy them. I celebrate their gifts. I push them. I say, go with it. Do your thing. God's got you. You're the best. Why? Because it ain't even about me at the end of the day. It's about him. Envy says it's about me. Glory says it's about him. So I put away envy. I put away slander. Ultimately, the text is saying, again, stop being petty, people. Be peculiar, people. Desire God's word. Because peculiar people desire God's word. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Look at verse 2 and 3, which says this. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. If you have tasted that the Lord is good. The word of God is something to be desired. The text tells us you ought to desire it like a newborn baby desires milk. I mean, have you ever seen a newborn baby hungry? Okay, all right, all right, all right. I heard a few people right here. Love to you all as well. Thank you for talking back to me. But have have you ever uh, noticed a baby who was hungry? Let me tell you, I have two children. I told you, I told you that. And they're not satisfied. You can't give them nothing where they're hungry but milk. I don't know why I hear that Lanky Box song in my head. Uh, Milky Milk, Milky Milk. My son, God, he is in my head right now. They aren't satisfied until they get 
milk. And that's how we should desire God's word. We should not be satisfied until we get that word in us, especially if we taste it that the Lord is good. We're not satisfied until that word saturates our mind, saturates our heart, saturates our spirit. I hear Augustine talking from North Africa. He said, my soul will not rest until it finds rest in thee, O God. I can't stop until I get your word. I can't stop until you feed me. I won't give up until you feed me. I won't sit down until you feed me. I need your word. Is there anybody here who's hungry for the word of God? I'm not satisfied until I get his word. And I don't just read to finish. I know we're on a one-year Bible plan, all this stuff. It's a new year. We read through the Bible. That's all so good. But I don't just read to, uh, uh, to, to you know, check it off the box. So I read the Bible today. No, I read to feed. I read to feed. God might highlight a word, and I might just stay on that one word, and that's okay. Listen, my sisters and my brothers, sometimes the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, will, will explode something in your mind and your heart, and you just have to sit there under the word of God until it saturates your soul and your spirit. Is there anybody here hungry for the word of God? I'm hungry for it. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God. Verse 4. Verse 5. You yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer, watch this, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, when you get his word, God gives you a revelation. He gives you a revelation. And that revelation, the spiritual insight we get here, is that God has made you a living stone. We talk about the rock, but God has made you a living stone. You are a rock, and you are a piece of the puzzle. You are a house. Now, be, be humble now. Be humble. Don't be singing, how great thou art to yourself. You are a house. You are not the house. But you are important because you are a part of the holy priesthood. And the priesthood's number one priority is not to be the most savage. Be savage if you want to. It's not to be the most invoked. Be invoked if you want to. It's not to be the most innovative. Be innovative. Or the most intellectual. Be intellectual. Nope. The job of the priesthood, according to the text, is to offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus. I'm going to say that again. The job of the priesthood is to offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus. And we will discover how to do this as we engage and read and, and discern and yearn for his word. By sitting under his word and tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Peculiar people desire God's word. And peculiar people, secondly, they believe God. That's right. Peculiar people believe God. For it stands in Scripture. Follow along with me. I don't think it's on the screen. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, please pull that out. I don't want to say something and you'd be like, does that really say it in the text? Get your Bible out. Maybe you'll know. Hey, yeah, hey, come on, somebody. For it stand. Oh, and if you don't have a Bible app, go ahead and just type Bible in your app store. Let's pause right here. Go ahead and go to your app store. Hit Bible. Type in Bible. Hit that. Something will pop up. 
Download it. Run over to first two. Just scroll, scroll. I think you're going to go up. First two, first two. Pop it. Hit two. And once you hit two, you'll be right there, all right? Okay, then, and then go to six. And then go to six. For it stands in Scripture. See, y'all think I'm doing this just to be funny, but there are some people who might not know that. So I bless somebody, okay? See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Peculiar people believe in God. They rock with the rock. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They rock, they rock with the rock. I was talking to uh, Sade, and I said, is that, is that word archaic? She was like, just say it. You're almost 40, dude. Um, they rock with the rock. Now, the rock I'm talking about, this is a shouting moment right here, is the rock of our salvation. He is the cornerstone. He is holding all things together. That's why we say, and in the chocolate church, you'll be, you'll be praising right here, on Christ the solid rock we stand. All of the ground is sinking sand because the rock will never put us to shame. He will never fail concerning his promises. Friends might fail us, and they, and they will because you failed your friend. Family might fail us. Loved ones might let us down, but Christ, the cornerstone, will continue to hold us and rock us and keep us and affirm us and bless us and anoint us and call us and do the things that we never thought he would do. He will never put you to shame. But Christ will bestow honor on you. This text tells us that honor will come to you who believe. But for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one became the cornerstone. You have to understand that builders rejected the cornerstone. People literally rejected Christ as God's only son. They rejected him as Lord and Savior. Jesus, according to Isaiah 53 and 3, was despised and rejected by people. They rejected him as the great liberator. And if Christ went through this as cornerstone people, we should expect some of the same outcomes. People might not accept you if you're cornerstone people. You might get negative press if you're cornerstone people. Individuals might isolate, ostracize, and turn their back on you because you are cornerstone people. They might not give you the platform or the likes or the shares because you're cornerstone people. Here's the thing, though. The text tells us that they tripped over Christ. They were tripping on Christ. They rejected him and his word. So as Christ has gone through rejection and pain and crucifixion, we should prepare ourselves for the same rejection as well. But, 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 hold up, wait a minute, put a pause in it. But in the rejection, Christ will be with us. I'm going to say that again. But in the rejection, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the circumstance, in the midst of the rejections, Christ will be with us. He will be with you, my brother and my sister. Peculiar people desire God's word. They believe God. And finally, peculiar people, check this out. They understand the assignment. They understand the assignment because they know who they are. Let me say that better. We understand the assignment because we know who we are and 
whose we are. Uh, let me say it another way so that we can all get it. Uh, you know the assignment because you know who you are. Peculiar people understand the assignment. Would you all hang with me to 1142? All y'all, everybody, everybody, 1142, 1142. Give me 1142, all right? Verse 9 tells us who we are. Okay, 1145. No, 1142, 1142. Um, I'm a non-enneagram. I always shift and whatever. Okay, here we go. Uh, verse 9 tells us, let's, let's check this out. It says this. I want you to hear this. I, I'm sorry, Chris, for not getting the scripture to you. Man, I wish you had. Okay, so, so it says this. But you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a, a holy nation. Sorry, I'm not mad at you either. This is just Pentecostal preaching, black Pentecostal preaching right here. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. You are a people for his possession. I love what the King James Version, I grew up on the King James Version. It says, you are a peculiar people. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, you weren't. But now you are God's people. I got chills when I said that. Once you were not a people. But now you are God's people. You had not received mercy. But now you have received mercy. This, this reference, chosen, royal, holy, peculiar, it comes directly from two major Old Testament figures, Moses and Isaiah. Everyone say that. Moses and? That's right. Peter applies these titles, which used to apply only to Israelites, to a mainly Gentile group. You ought to shout right there because you are Gentiles. Now, now these, these titles weren't given to make them arrogant, but rather it was to be understood that they exist for the purposes of proclaiming God's greatness to the world. Peter shows us that at one time, this group of people was mostly known as pagan. They were, they were disconnected from God. They didn't have a relationship with God. They lived in hostility with God. But now they are God's purchased by the blood of Jesus. Now they are God's purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Let's pause right here for station identification. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. 30 seconds right here, and then we're going to go into a praise break. Yes, we are. We are going to go into a praise break. Don't play with me this morning. I'm not playing this morning. Okay. So, see, here's the thing. This is, this, see, see I, I knew you would respond like this. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost told me you would respond like this because here's the thing. Most of us, not all of us, most of us grew up in church. My dad is a first-generation uh, Pentecostal preacher. I come from that lineage. Well, here's the deal. His father wasn't Pentecostal at all. He was an alcoholic. He walked out on my dad. He did a lot of things. He was a rolling stone, all of that. And so I got the big head with God one day. I'm like, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit, fire baptized. Then the Lord reminded me, yeah, but it's my mercy. Mercy, I like what someone said, and theologians could get me on this later on. You know, I submit to you all. Uh, mercy is what I do deserve and don't get it. Grace is what I don't deserve and I do receive it. I deserve to be 
disconnected from God forever because of old Adam. Why did Adam do that anyway? Anyway, let's just keep going. But because of his mercy, I'm not saved because of my last name. I'm not saved because I'm a third generation Pentecostal preacher. I'm not saved because that. I'm saved because of his mercy. If it wasn't for, let, let me say it even better. Listen, if it wasn't for his mercy, I would be thrown out, busted, disgusted, toe up from the flow up. But because of his mercy, let me say that about you. I'm saying it graciously now. If it wasn't for the Lord on your side, you would be toe off, busted, disgusted, messed up, drowning in sin, hurting, broken. But because of his mercy. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. And I'm going to tell you to tell your neighbor one thing the Lord done for you. Just one thing. What's one thing the Lord has done for you? 30 seconds. And when they tell you, I want you to shout like the Lord did it for you. Go ahead and say it. Come on. Come on. 30 seconds. Go ahead. Tell them one thing. One thing. All right. All right. Yeah, there it is. There it is. There it is. What has the Lord? Look what the Lord has done. He saved me. He delivered me. He freed me. He set me free. I was a wretch. I was messed up, tied up, tangled up, busted up. But if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where, where, where would I be? Come on. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where, where would I be? Sorry. My grandma, keep standing, keep standing. My grandma just came out of me. My grandma, I, yes, yes, my grandma, she's, she was 53 when she passed. She was 53 when she passed. I loved my grandma. I was 12 years old when she passed. And when she passed, I loved her. And when she passed, she, didn't have, she couldn't see. Diabetes had, had tore up her body. She had cataracts. She could not see. She could barely move. She was tore up. Her body was in pain. And listen, I grew up in the church. We had testimony. That's what you just did. I grew up in church. And you see what it does for you? When you hear someone else's testimony, the Bible, okay, I'm so random. The Bible tells us that we, that we overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of our testimony. If you want to have freedom and deliverance and hope, hear someone else's testimony. Share your testimony. But that's a sidebar. Here's the deal. Hold on, hold on. Hold on for one sec because I need to get through this. 1140. Y'all better not leave me. Y'all sang for 25 minutes, so don't be playing with me. All right, so here we go. So here we go. Um, uh, here we go. So where was I? Lord, help me. Yes, here we go. My grandma would say, she would say, I got diabetes in my body. I could barely see. I barely could walk. And she would say, after all the things that I've been through, I still have joy. Is there anybody here? Hey, my God. My God. My God, is there anybody here who's been through some things? If you only had some time to testify about the goodness of God, you would blow someone else's mind. That's your time to shout right there. Yep, it's your time. Shout right there. Give God a praise. Let your praise match your appreciation of your testimony. Come on. Gosh, I have to finish this. I have to finish. You then are chosen. You are strangers. You are exiles. That's what verse 11 says. 
you are called to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Because you know what? My desire for sin, it's not even there anymore. I'm, and when I do have it, I put my knees on the floor. Sometimes it does come back. Let me, let, me, let, let, me, let me fix that one. Sometimes that old sinful nature will come back. Sometimes. But here's the thing. When you begin to desire God more than you desire sin, God begins to rock your world. And you begin, check this out though, and you begin to live differently. Someone say, live differently. This ain't my home. It's not. President said this a number of times. We're just passing through here. We're strangers. We're pilgrims. Now here's the question. Are you looking for a city whose builder and maker is God? Or are you fighting over the city you already live in, huh? Do you want what's here more than you want God? We are living in this world, but we are not of this world. This world is not our home as it is. One of these old mornings, though, we're going to look up and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. But until then, verse 12 tells us to conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works. That's right. Everyone say be different. You are chosen. You are royalty. We are in this world, but not of this world. We occupy a different kingdom. Our kingdom is the kingdom of God. We are not set by the standards of this world. No, the kingdom of God defines us. So therefore, live differently. Why? Because you are a chosen race. And I'm closing here. That's who you are. You're a chosen race. This word literally means kindred, family, tribe. Hey, what up, fam? What up, fam? I love this. This text is saying because we are all chosen as children of God, submitted to the lordship of Jesus, instead of us being divided by our race, our family, our tribe, instead of being divided by that, no, we celebrate that. We celebrate Italians. We celebrate German folks. We celebrate black folks. We celebrate Asian folks. We celebrate Hispanic folks. Why? Because God is a diverse God who created a diverse world. So we celebrate those who don't talk like us, vote like us, sing like us, pray like us, even preach like us. I know somebody, he preached too hard. Whatever, I'm just hyped today. I don't know why. Maybe it's the drink that I had. You get what I'm saying? Not the alcoholic drink. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. I'm saved for real, y'all. No judgment, no judgment, no judgment. Okay. You get what I'm saying, though? We are family. We are one in Christ. And Christ in his infinite wisdom, he's made us unique. We have different stories, upbringings, tastes. I like collard greens. You might not. Sometimes I'll taste a chitlin. You might not. And that's the beauty of diversity. Dr. King said this, and I believe this captures what Peter is saying to us concerning the chosen race. He said, I have it, by the way, Monday is his day, so I had to celebrate him. He said, I have a dream that my four... Little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. This challenge was to the nation in its time, and it's for us today. 
Will we be a people who would judge one another based upon our political positions? Will we judge based upon the color of our skin? You see, Dr. King is simply saying what Peter is saying. And that is, if you're in Christ, we are family. I'm going to say it again. What up, fam? Therefore, we should celebrate the things that God has created. Can culture be critiqued by scripture? Absolutely. So don't come to me emailing me, talking to me about that. Yes, critique it by, by scripture. But we should celebrate as well. We should seek to occupy this world. We should seek to occupy into you differently. And when we do, and when we do, we will reflect what Peter is saying to us. We will be a different people and people will come to our campus and they will say, what is the Lord doing in our midst? And you will say, we just different. Let me say it another way. We're just built different. That's all. We're just built, just built different. Receive this. Receive this. You can go. Receive this prayer. So, Father, I pray now. I owe you seven minutes as well. I pray now for everyone under the sound of my voice. Father, these are your change agents in the world. They are the ones who called to build this beautiful tapestry to build, as it were, yeah, the mosaic of God. May we do this for your kingdom. May we do this. May we not compromise in any way. Truth is still truth. We're not compromising truth. But may we do it with the power of your spirit. Submit it to your lordship. Submit it to your love. We thank you today for what you're doing in our midst. Have your way. May we never be the same. May this mark us. May this mark me, Lord. I'm submitted to your word. And if there's anything, God, that I said that's not according to your word, may they, uh, Lord, just please some, somehow delete it out of their minds and their spirits. But the things that they heard that resonated, that make sense with scripture, may God it, it grow as a tree planted by rivers of living water, I pray. In Jesus, matchless, wonderful, marvelous, strong name, I pray these things at for his sake. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> President Hagan is here. <laughs>